0: James chapter number one, and uh, I've been praying and asking the Lord to lead me in the right place to keep preaching through his word. And uh, I really wanted to preach in 1 Corinthians, but God last week led me to James and Let me get to James this week. I feel confident that James is where we need to be right now. But it's subject to change at any time. And I'm excited about preaching and sharing God's Word with you. Lord willing, uh, we've just finished up. It's kind of an interesting moment for me in my preaching planning. Uh, I like my style, and it's no secret I love to preach through the Bible. And I like to preach through passages of Scripture. That way, when I'm really just stepping on people's toes, all I can do is say, it's where we are. It's just God's Word. God's beaten you to death. I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but at uh, any rate, I've just finished preaching through Romans. We just completed it. It's done. And just finished preaching through uh, the book of John. And uh, so John, has. we finished it this past Sunday. So Lord willing, on this coming Sunday... For however long it takes, it won't take very long. But uh, Lord willing, begin this Sunday, I'm going to start preaching on uh, the book of Ruth. We're gonna, I'm going to open up and preach the book of Ruth, my favorite book of the Bible. Uh, Ruth is definitely my favorite character. And what a character she is, I'm telling you. Uh, and I like the Ruth in the Bible, too. She's a blessing, too. But at uh, any rate, Lord willing, on Sunday, I'll start preaching on Ruth. And uh, then uh, if the Lord continues to lead this way, we'll preach in the book of James On Wednesday night, James chapter 1, we begin reading in verse number 1. Our message is verses 5 through 11. But if you follow along, the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse number 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work in his ways, look at what the Bible says in verse number eight, "A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways." And tonight's message is titled "That a double-minded man." May God help us not to be double-minded people. Now, when we look at the uh, at the context of this passage of Scripture, we see that uh, James is laying the groundwork to help the brethren, help the Christian people deal with diverse temptations, trouble. Deal with trouble and difficulty and heartache and grief. And so he's helping us to deal with it. And the first thing he says is something that's a bit shocking. He says, brethren, in verse number two, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. That may be the first thing you thought about when you had a hard time this week already. You thought, oh, happy day. This is wonderful. I'm so joyful. It's not our temptation, but the Bible says it's not irrational. It's not wrong. It actually makes good sense as God's people to count it joy when you fall into temptation because in verse number 3, we know that the trying of our faith works patience. And patience, when it has done her perfect work, she makes you perfect and entire. And so really and truly, trouble in the lives of Christians causes Christians to, To thrive. Causes Christians to thrive. Now that's contrary to the world's logic. Let me tell you something. If you find out that what the Bible says is contrary to your common sense, then it's not the Bible that is wrong. It is your common sense that is in error. Now... The most commonsensical thing you could ever do is exactly what the Bible says to do. And so the Bible says we've got to get in a point of mind, a frame of mind, a faith of mind that says, Look, I know that this trouble is difficult, but may God help me to have joy in the midst of it. You see, he says count all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because temptations and trouble make us patient, and patience make us entire, perfect, complete, wanting, nothing. And then the next thing we need to do in the midst of our troubles is verse number five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now, I love that verse. Why in the world do you think that God inspired James to mention to us wisdom in the midst of troubles. Because I'll have you know something. It is often in the midst of troubles when we see and realize that there's not a lot of wisdom. People in trouble do some of the most ridiculous things. Someone told me one time, and I like the illustration. People are like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you pour hot water on them. And Truly the content of who we are comes out when the heat is applied. May the Lord help us to be wise. You see the bottom line is in verse 5. If any of you like wisdom. If there were a line that said if any of you like wisdom you stand here. If any of you do not like wisdom over here. Guess what? If you line up over here, you probably need to line up over here. Does that make sense? Bottom line is, we all lack wisdom. We all need God to teach us. And so we have this necessity to pray. We have this necessity to seek God and seek God's wisdom, especially in light of trouble. We need to pray for wisdom, especially in the midst of our troubles. Not that we will have the wisdom necessarily just to get out of it, but that we'll have the wisdom to get out of it what God wants us to get out of it. I was reading in the commentary from Warren Wearsby, and he told a story of his secretary. His secretary was about 70 years old and very able, and her husband had gotten very sick, and then she had gotten very sick also, and they were going through a very difficult time. He said, I picked up the phone and called my secretary, and I said, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. And your husband and her secretary, being a secretary, said, What are you praying? He said, Well, I'm praying that God will give you strength that you need and help you. She said, Would you please also pray that God will give us wisdom? And he said, Yes, I'd love to pray that God will give you wisdom. He said, May I ask why? And she said, you pray God will give us wisdom that we don't miss what he wants for us in the midst of this trouble. I like that. And that's what James chapter 1 verse number 5 is teaching us. If any man lacks wisdom in the midst of your trouble and your trial, you need to pray that God will give you the insight and the maturity to understand that he is not punishing you with trouble. He is allowing the trouble even if it came because of something that the devil's done. He is allowing trouble. and He's going to use that trouble to make you better and help you. If any man lacks wisdom, then ask of God to give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not. I talked about this last Wednesday night, but upbraideth not. How many of you have ever been afraid to ask a question because you didn't want to feel or sound dumb? Have you ever asked somebody a question and they made you feel dumb? Let me tell you something. God doesn't upbraid people. God doesn't treat you that way. He knows, already knows how dumb you are and loves you anyway. He knows you're dumber than you think you are. <laughs> but he don't upbraid you for it. He loves you just exactly the way you are. And he's honored when his children come to him for wisdom. He said, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask God to give to all men liberally, that braith not, and it shall be given him. Boy, I love that promise. It shall be given him. Here's what the Bible says next. Verse number 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse number 8, a double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. Tonight's message, a double-minded man, has two points. Number one, we're going to talk about a lesson about waves. Number two, we're going to talk about a lesson about grass. Waves and grass. Waves and grass. What's that have to do with being a double-minded man? I'm glad you asked. A double-minded man. God says, don't be a double-minded man. You'll be unstable in all your ways. Don't be a double-minded man. What's that mean? That means we need to singularly put our trust in the Lord in the midst of our troubles. How many of you have ever put your trust in the Lord a little bit here? Put your trust in a little bit of something here and a little bit of something there? It's kind of like we're trying out so many different things just in case. I've made the joke sometimes. I do this just in case, you know. But that, that's, a, that's a joke. I, I've met and heard stories of people giving the gospel to Hindu people. And a Hindu person will sincerely receive, verbally receive Christ by faith as their Savior. They'll consent to whatever you say as a preacher. Oh, you're a preacher? You know about Jesus? Yeah, I know about Jesus. If you'll pray... And ask Jesus to come to your heart. And they'll do it. And you can give them a gospel track. But they'll take that gospel track and they'll put it in their shrine to all the other gods. And and there's a gospel track along with all these other gods that they've bowed to. And they've got this religious philosophy that says, just in case. I'll trust in this just in case. I'll consent to this for a moment just in case. But I want you to understand something about the Lord Jesus Christ the message of the Bible, the message of Christianity. There's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. There's only one authority, and it's the Word of God. There's only one God, and He created everything that is, and His name is Jesus Christ. You see, faith in Christ is exclusive It's not something you add on. So the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Have you ever found yourself in real trouble? And for a moment, you're thinking about trusting the Lord. But then you see this little window of opportunity where you can manipulate the system or manipulate something or do something and act some way. And maybe you can get what you want in the end. And so you're back and forth between your manipulation, your acting and trusting God, manipulating, acting, trusting God, trusting God, sinning, trusting God, sinning. Living for Jesus, living for the world. Living for Jesus, living for the material. Living for Jesus, living for... And you fill in the blank. And the Bible gives a picture of a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. And so the Scripture says in verse number 6, you need wisdom. And so the Bible says you need to be praying and asking God for wisdom in faith. The Bible says in verse 6, let him ask in faith nothing Wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. A lesson about waves. The Bible says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now, the first thing that some people want to do is say, oh, no, I could never have wisdom. I could never have God's blessing because I am a little bit wavery. How many of you find yourself a little bit wavery? You, you, you can waver sometimes. You you have these swells and tides and ups and downs. Guess what? If we'd be honest, all of us have that. But here's what the Scripture wants us to do. Here's what God wants us to know. God wants us that we, to get to the place where we're not depending on our strength. We're not depending on our riches. We're not depending on our health. We're not depending on the things of the world. We're not depending on people. We're not depending on Anything other than the Lord. Let him ask of God, he giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. What are we doing? In our troubles, we need to learn to depend on the Lord. I'll have you know something. If you find yourself in this situation where sometimes you depend on the Lord and other times you act like the devil. Sometimes you depend on the Lord. Other times you take matters into your own hands. Sometimes you try to depend on the Lord. Other times you are out of control doing whatever wicked thing you can think of that gives you some type of satisfaction in your flesh for the moment. I want you to understand that the Bible says that is wavering. We've got to get to the place where as long as it takes, I know what I need is the Lord. I'm not criticizing folks because I love people, especially people when they're struggling. But how many times have you seen somebody that'll give Jesus a little try? Get a little taste of church. For a time, they're faithful. Guess what? I'm so thankful because a lot of times... If somebody will come for a time and be faithful, they stick. And they begin to have faith unwavering. They begin, to, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. It's not easy, but I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. That's not double-minded. Do you understand? But it's sad for me to see folks who, they get a little scared. and They'll try Jesus for a minute. Three or four weeks, fine. And before you know, you don't see him anymore. That's double minded Now it's possible To have had seasons like that But now you're back To the place where you say I'm going to trust the Lord Guess what Stay the course Stay the course You'll be glad you did The Bible says A double minded man Somebody that is wavering Is like a wave For he that wavereth Is like a wave of the sea Driven with the wind and tossed. It's fascinating to me about waves. I had to do a little bit of uh, research, not a whole lot, but a little bit of research on how winds are made. I mean, how waves are made. Guess how waves are made? Wind. Most waves are made by wind. There is an exception to a tidal wave, which we have tides which are uh, dictated by Gravity and a few different things. But most of the waves that affect us are the product of the wind. You see, water by itself has no motion, but when it's touched by wind, it makes waves. And so the Bible says that if you're double-minded, if you are sometimes you're just trying to be like the world and other times you're trying to be like a Christian, the Bible says you are like a wave. You're like a wave of the sea driven with the wind. This happened to us this summer at the beach. We'd sat, at the, uh, sat by the water and the tide was rising a little bit. But I'm watching and, you know, the first splash, I had dry clothes on because I really don't like to get in the ocean. I don't well, I think sharks would enjoy eating. But I don't want to give them a chance. sitting near the water is far enough away that we're comfortable i had a little while you know the tide was no doubt begin to raise some but i had plenty of time and sat there for a while and dry clothes and the next thing you know i'm not looking about out of nowhere i got sopping wet you know why cuz waves are unpredictable waves are unstable waves are Always the byproduct of the circumstances around them. Guess what? You can go out on the ocean when the wind is still and the waves are too. But as soon as the wind begins to blow, guess what? The waves get stirred up. And it's such a beautiful picture of what people do when they put their trust in things other than Jesus. Now look, I want you to know that you can trust in your pastor. But I'll just have you know something. You'll not find me pointing you to me exclusively. As a matter of fact, my job is to point you away from me and to the cross. Away from me and to God's Word. Away from me and to the Savior. So when I help you, I'm helping you come to Jesus. I want to point you to somewhere and somebody that is consistent, far more consistent than me. People will fail you. Churches will fail you. Now look, you get disgruntled about the church didn't do this, the church didn't do that. Look, of course the church failed you. The church is a bunch of people. And we're unstable. Our stability is in the Lord. Now look, the Bible says that if you are a double-minded man, Jesus occasionally, the world a lot. Jesus occasionally, the world a lot. Jesus, the world, Jesus, the world, Jesus, the world. The Bible says what you are is a wave. And every time the wind blows, he might blow, some person might blow, a circum- circumstance at work might blow, a little something may come up at the house that blows. Like the wind. And the next thing you know, because you have got one foot in the world and one foot in Jesus, the next thing you know, the wind's blown. And guess who's worked up and stirred up and splashing all around and making messes everywhere? You. Because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How in the world can I get to a place? Will I ever be perfect at this? No. But I can tell you what, you can get really good at it. As you've experienced God's grace and put your trust in the Lord and your faith gets to the place where I'm just just unwavering. I don't understand what I'm dealing with or why I'm dealing with this, but I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to trust Jesus and I'm going to trust Jesus with the results. And when you anchor yourself right there, the wind will blow. But you're no longer a wife. The winds blow all around you. But your feet are anchored on the rock. And all the drama and all the trash that generally just gets you tore up when you know it's in the Lord's hands will bring you calm and peace, stability, that is opposite of the double-minded man. A lesson about waves. Bruce says something I think is very helpful. I think about it a lot. I don't know where she picked it up, but somewhere along the way, someone helped her with it. And maybe I can help you with it, too, because she's helped me with it. How many of you ever see these circumstances people are involved and what they're doing you know is wrong but there's nothing you can do about it if you say something it ain't going to work if you do something it's not going to work Ruth has a practice her practice is she gives it to the Lord she says now Lord you saw that and I can't do anything about it will you take care of that now Lord you saw that Will you take care of that? You know what that is? That's anchoring ourselves in the fact that I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptation. I'm going to pray for wisdom when I fall into diverse temptation. I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm not going to be blown about by every wind that comes rolling through. Devil, you're not making waves in my heart today because I'm putting myself in the care and keeping of Jesus who is the rock of ages. A double-minded man. A lesson about waves. Number two, a lesson about grass. A lesson about grass. The Bible says, verse 8, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Verse 9, Let the brother of low degree... Rejoice in that He is exalted. Now, have you ever heard these really fun success stories of people who began with nothing and made their way and uh, ascended the ladder of success? And the next thing you know, uh, they are big time. Have you ever ever heard stories like that? Uh, One that comes to mind: My grandmother gave me a book when I was a teenager. It was a book about R. G. Letourneau. Uh, if you've heard of Laterno University, R.G. Laterno uh, began Laterno University, and R.G. Laterno was a simple man. He was at a mechanical mine. He he built and steam engine models, and uh, then he began to study electricity and electric motors. And R.G. Laterno has built and patented some of the largest earth movers on the planet. R.G. Letourneau. He figured out how he could put big electric motors inside the wheels of great big earth movers and make the diesel motor a big electric power plant and individually run these wheels. And he made some of the biggest machines that move earth that the world's ever known. R.G. Letourneau. We began from nothing and came up to something amazing. I read his biography and I was uh, thrilled by it. It was pretty neat. And R.G. Letourneau was a man of low degree who uh, was able to rejoice in the fact that he was exalted. R.G. Letourneau was the kind of guy, though, that understood that his riches and his wealth was not what made him happy. His riches and his wealth was not what satisfied his soul. His riches and his wealth was not what made him important. It was his faith in Christ. Uh, R.G. did something pretty fun and interesting to me. Uh, He became very, very wealthy in his business enterprises, and he had uh, been taught the principle of tithing, and he was a tither, and the Lord impressed on his heart that if God could live on 10%, so could he. And so he began to give 90% of his income and live on 10%. uh, Now, God's not asking everybody to do that, but it's a unique thing that R.G. Letourneau did, and it was just a picture of what R.G. Letourneau's uh, vision was. He he was a man of low degree. that was brought to a place of great, Wealth and power and prestige. But he always remembered that it wasn't the material things that made him happy. It wasn't the material things that made him stable. It wasn't the material things that were the ultimate blessing from God. So, let a brother of low degree rejoice and that he is exalted. That's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? The next verse is a little harder to understand. Verse 10. But the rich... The brother of low degree is going to rejoice in that exalted, exalted, but the rich should rejoice in that he is made low. Have you ever met somebody that was rich and isn't anymore? And he's like, hallelujah, I'm broke. This is awesome. (laughs) That's not our natural reaction, right? But the Bible paints a picture that we need to know. Let me tell you something. You look at politics in the year 2022, and what's everybody talking about? Here's one thing they're talking about. If this group of people has more money, they'll be happy. If this group of people has more money, then they'll be happy. And they'll be able to get what they want and do what they want. And we'll have success if this group of people has money. If this group of people has more money, then they'll have more happiness and peace. And there'll be stability in our society. If, if everybody just had a nicer house to live in and more money by the hour, then everything's going to be okay. If everybody can have a smartphone, if everybody can have a new car, if everybody can have their bills paid for, if everybody can have, 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 get, get, get the things that they really, really want, 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 then they'll be happy. And there'll be stability. It'll be rock solid. All these wavy things that's going on in our society, these ripples and these roars, they'll, be, they'll go away because everybody's going to have what they want. How many of you ever got something you really, really wanted and all your desires for the rest of your life were filled? Boom. Poof. And we live happy. It doesn't work like that. And so the Bible says with the same mentality that we, re, that we joy And find joy in diverse temptations. The man of low degree, when he's brought to a place of prominence, he should should rejoice. But likewise, a rich man, if he's brought low, he should rejoice because our hope is not in things, stuff, health, anything of the sort. Our hope is in Christ, our hope is in the Word. And if you're not happy right now, you'll not be happy with more. If you're not happy right now, you'll not be happy with less. If you're not stable, you're not stable because you're not putting your trust in Jesus. And you are a double-minded man. And I'll just tell you something. It's a plague that is cursing churches just like it's cursing carnal society. And we sing the top of our lungs. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And then we add a whole list of material things that we think we have to have in order to be happy. If we get to the place again where our hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. We'll be satisfied, poor. We'll be satisfied, rich. We'll be satisfied if we're brought from poor to rich. We'll be satisfied if we're brought from rich to poor. We'll be satisfied because our satisfaction is in Christ, and He's good. The Bible says, "Look, here's the point. It's a lesson about grass." You said, "How in the world? Why should the rich man rejoice in verse 10 that he's made low?" Because here it is. Because it's the flower of the grass. He shall pass away. Let me tell you something, a wise man knows, rich or poor, life is short, eternity is long. And it's not the things that I can amass here that matter as much as the eternal work that I can do while I'm here that matters. I must anchor myself in Christ because the Bible says it will be like the grass. The Bible says, verse number 11, how's, what happens to the grass? Verse 11, the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. You see that little phrase, the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. How many of you have ever seen these little beautiful grasses with flowers and spring beauty? It's just grace, It's gorgeous sun comes up, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. Hey, look, you can be as pretty as a button. You can have everything the world has to offer, but you will not live forever. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Now, that's not something the Bible says you should be rich. That's not true. God's trusted some people to be rich. God's trusted other people to be poor. God's trusted some people to be right in the middle somewhere. But wherever you are, God trusts you to be there. And he says, guess what? If you'll keep your faith in Jesus, you can joy in tribulation. If you keep your eyes fixed on Christ, you can joy in the midst of trouble. You can joy in the midst of all the responsibility that comes along with having something. You can joy wherever you are. You can glory in wherever you are. And you can be stable, stable, stable. Not like the waves affected by the winds. Not like the grass with a really short shelf life. Stable, secure, secure eternally because you have the Lord. One of my favorite stories, there was this man. He had hit it big in business for a long time. A length of period, he gave generously to the Lord's work. He was a saved man given very generously. Tides turned, and next thing you know, everything he had was gone. He was working a regular job just trying to make ends meet. Someone that knew his story came up to him and asked him a question. He said, John, looking back at it, do you regret all you gave the work of the Lord? This man loved Jesus. He said, absolutely not. He said, you know what? He said, that's all I got left. Now, nobody wishes ill on anybody. As a matter of fact, I think God sets us up in certain ways to make us most effective. But I'll have you know something irregardless of the circumstances of life, you can have joy. And you can be stable. And you can be a blessing. You don't have to be like the waves. You don't have to be like the grass. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But those of us who put our trust in Christ and trust the faithfulness of God, obey Him, do His work his way, guess what? We can glory and rest and have that stability that only God can provide. That's why the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways.